This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And we're so excited this week because we've been working with Scouts Agency who gives us amazing guests getting more females on podcasts. And this week we have Noelle Ellie. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're an actress CEO of Noelle Ellie Productions, and we can't wait to talk to you about all these things. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So where do we begin? Because I've been following your work and kind of checking out some of the things that you're working on. And I listened to an episode recently that you were talking more about like the project production side and working with people on events and, you know, their businesses and marketing and branding. And I really kind of want to start off with like what interested me the most in terms of like something that sat in my brain where I'm like, whoa, I need to talk to her about this was when you're talking with clients, what their vision and their why is. So I want to start with you and your company first, like talk Mm -hmm. about the production company. And I really really want to get into vanity metrics <laughs> because <laughs> that really struck me uh, that I want to get into a little bit. So let's pause for a moment. And I want you to introduce your, your production company and what you do. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, so I am an actress and director, and I also am the CEO of a production and PR company called Noelle Ellie Productions. And I started it, God, officially, I, well, unofficially, probably almost a decade ago, um, but officially maybe six years ago, seven years ago. And I realized I had this skill set. So I was the typical struggling artist waiting tables and nannying and, you know, doing the thing. And uh, a woman approached me and was like, oh my God, you have to come work for me. You have to produce my events. And I went home that night and Googled, how do you produce an event? And um, one thing led to another and I realized I had this skill set. So there was a need, especially in the empowerment space and thought leader space for, you know, people who knew what they were doing to produce events in New York City and LA. And so I started producing events. Interrupting you really quick. Was the woman who told you that, was that really Gabrielle Bernstein? Yeah. Was that the first person? I'm like... She's huge. I mean, I've probably been following her career for not no no joke, like 15 years. I mean, I know she's really kind of like made a rise in the past five to eight years. But I'm like, I remember when she was like, just starting out, you've also worked with Chris Carr. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, that is like, I mean, I've probably since 2006, I've been following her career too. I'm like, that is so cool. So really awesome that Gabrielle Bernstein is the one that like told you to start a production company. Yeah, well, she she initially at least told she, you that you need to start. Yeah, yeah, she was like, you have to come work for me. That was that was her her goal, and so I, yeah. I did. And You're like, I, hey, um, I learned. You know, it's funny because I had met Gabby at an event where she was setting up her own chair. She was doing something with Sean Stevenson at the um, LGBTQ center and she was literally setting up her own chairs and I think charging $20 a head and, you know, to come hear them speak. And I left that event and I called my best friend and I said, I think Gabby and I are going to work together. And this was very like, I don't know where that came from, but I just had this intuitive like hit. She was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. 
And then fast forward a couple months, I was um, working Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week and Gabby kind of saw me doing my thing and was like, you have to come work for me. So I did. And I learned so much from working with her and, um, you know, produced her radio show for Hay House and all of her events and, you know, traveled. We traveled to Brazil together and all over. And so uh, at each event that I would produce, I would have other people come up to me and say, will you come produce my event? And so everything just started flowing very organically. And um, I got very, very busy and realized after many years of working with Gabby, oh, okay, this, I can have a lucrative living. I don't have to still wait tables and nanny and, you know, produce events on the side. I can have my own events company and then audition and then work on set. And so that's what I did. And then from there, it kind of morphed into PR. I'm a natural connector. I, I love just connecting people and, you know, people I love, I like want to share with everyone. And so a client and I were at dinner and she was telling me she wanted to connect with someone at the New York Times. And I was like, oh, my friend's an editor there. Here, let me connect you. And by the end of the dinner, she said, Noelle, you just did more for me in the last hour than my publicist did in six months. And I paid her, you know, 10 grand a month. And I was like, wait a second. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I will take that money, please. No. <laughs> yes, please. More. Thank you. I love it. And so then from there, it's just that's kind of how it, it divorced, uh, 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 morphed into this production PR company. And then from there, I was getting influencer clients and then I would pay attention to what they did and started applying it to myself. And then I started to grow and then clients were like, can you do for me what you did for you? And, you know, and so it's just, I always say all roads lead to Rome. It's so true. And that's kind of been uh, a glimpse into what the last decade is looks like. <laughs> that is really cool. So what types of clients do you look for or do you work with specifically, or is it kind of whoever comes to you? It really depends. So it's um, usually there has to be some sort of, I shouldn't say has to be, but what I tend to attract is like-minded, um, mindful entrepreneurs and brands who have some sort of give back initiative. So, you know, like you said, it was Gabby Bernstein and Chris Carr and Deepak Chopra and Kimberly Snyder and just people in the sort of empowerment space. And then um, organic, healthy brands like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the company Piper Y and just just really healthy brands that are um, making a positive impact or footprint on this earth. So, you know, that tends to be a lot of authors and new authors, you know, or, or, speakers who want to expand their brand, but they have no idea how to do so. That is the background of what I was listening to this morning. And when you were talking about the why and vanity metrics, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because the reason it hit me was, especially with this podcast that we've been doing for eight years now, we kind of get in the space of like, how do we grow? But we don't want to sell out because it's growing, selling out. And more followers. We only have such and such many followers. We aren't really growing. And and when you said vanity metrics, I was like, so why would we have to, why would we need more followers? Is that just like, is the number guiding us? Or is it something that's like truly meaningful that we have a really awesome audience, which we do. So that made me really think about like, oh, what is the whole purpose behind why we would want to do what we do? Yeah. So that's so, one of the things I always sit down with clients and yeah. I ask them their why, right? Because there's, I've had so many <laughs> clients in the past where they're like, I just want to make a difference. I want to impact, you know, a thousand souls or 10,000 or whatever. But then you find out they actually just want to be a celebrity, which is fine. Like that's okay. But, but we got to get, we got to get clear and like, 
cut through the BS and like, let's just get really honest. And if your reason is to be, if, if you want to be a celebrity, that's okay. But, but let's get, let's dig a little bit deeper and peel back the layers as to why is it just because you were never heard growing up and you want to be heard now? That's okay. That's, that's a lot of us, right? Like that's fine. But also is it because you genuinely want to impact people? Well, let's sprinkle that in there. And so I think it's just really important to get very raw and honest. And when I have clients that aren't honest with themselves, I know that they can still grow, they can still make an impact, but it's going to be a little bit trickier. So it's almost like doing a little bit of like life coaching. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. Really yeah. And and then too, you know, same thing with with the, the metrics. There's so many people who are like, I want to get to 100,000 followers or a million followers. Again, that's great. But why? And then also making it very clear that it's about quality, not quantity. So for me, for example, I started applying this formula to myself and started to grow. But years ago, I was posting more like modeling hot girl summer pictures. And the quality, you know, the quality of followers that I was attracting were a lot of men and, and specific type of person, which is okay. But then when my mom passed away in 2016, I was showing like the snot nosed crying grief stuff, and then losing followers. And at first I took it really personal and made it about like, what's wrong with me instead of, oh, you know what? This is really cool. Like those people no longer resonate with me. We're not operating on the same frequency. Let me start attracting my tribe. Let me start attracting the people that, that, that speak my language. And, you know, because I, I don't know if you guys have had this experience or any of the listeners, but there's been times I've posted something that has been like a really proud moment. And I have felt energy of people who have like maybe seen the story and it's not a good energy. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's instead, I'd rather like those people that maybe aren't in alignment anymore, I'd rather them drop off so that I can then really feel the support of those people following me and like get equally excited for me. Totally. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. I mean, a perfect example for Claire and I is in the election. This last election, mm. we started talking about a lot of the social justice things that we were passionate about that really, truly, we can't ignore it because that's just like, hello, your privilege is showing. And so we were very vocal about a lot of things, which turned into this is just now a political podcast, and we lost a lot of followers. And to me, I'm like, great, I that's not the energy I want to align with, because I want to speak up for things that matter. And if that means people are going to get offended or think that we're preachy, so be it, because staying silent is not an option. So that's something that really we really experienced in that realm. Yeah. How long did it take you to get to the place though, where you really honestly had that reaction of like, this is fine. Those guys can leave and didn't have that feeling of like, but my numbers. Oh, it's a daily. I mean, it's still going on. It's a daily thing. Like it's not, it wasn't a, uh, let me work on it for a couple months and build my self-worth and I'm good. No, I still struggle with it. You know, like there, there was a, a, a situation that happened with a, a friend who, I think last year she unfollowed me and I just reached out and was like, Hey, I, I created a story in my head and I wanted to reach out. Are we, are we cool? And the response I got was like, Oh my God, I love you. No, it was an accident. It must've been my social media manager. And then she never followed me back. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. So I felt all the feels and created all the stories. And then I was like, no, you know what? I cleaned up my side of the street and either I trigger her and sometimes she triggers me or whatever it is. It's okay. Like bless and move on. And so 
you know, but it, it, it affected me. And so sometimes it does hurt for sure. But then I'll have a moment where it can just be one follower says, Hey, Noel, thank you so much for sharing this thing. Like I'm going through something similar. And it's that one person where I'm like, you know what, if I affected her in such a beautiful way, and this person who I thought was a friend no longer resonates, like just bless bliss. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that back to what you were talking about with metrics is when we're building a brand or marketing or, you know, it could be really a very small business is that we tend to miss the audience we have. And I can't remember who we were talking about this recently or in the past couple of months, we had a guest on Claire. I can't remember who it was, but oh, I can we see her in my brain. I'm you know, it's like, it was driving me crazy, but it's like, you're missing the metrics that you have by yeah. trying to think about like how many you want yep. and you're completely ignoring your great audience that you have. So yeah. that is something that you mentioned um, on this other episode. Can you talk a little bit more about like what that means and like how you can really, and it, for us, it's it's not so much about like making money, but it is about like engagement and keeping the podcast going, but engaging with 2000 could be the same as a million. It just depends on your engagement. Absolutely. Sorry, really quickly. It was Aisha Bo Johnson who said that. Perfect. That's so, I mean, it's so smart and I agree with that a hundred percent. It's, you know, cause a lot of brands nowadays too, if, if, if like I'm working with a brand and they're, they want to do influencer outreach, I say to them, like, let's get the, let's get the data. Let's see what their analytics are because, you know, you can have 500,000 followers, but if only a thousand people are seeing your stories or 50 people are engaging, you know, in your photos, like not saying it's not real, but something is off there. And so it's really, again, about quality and, you know, Look, when it comes to social media in particular, or really anything, like give love to receive love. That's what I always say. So, you know, I, I have a friend who's very, very big influencer who will once in a while pop out and be like, hey, can you comment on my post? And while I'm always happy to, there comes a time where it needs to be reciprocated. Otherwise, resentment starts to grow, you know? And so, and is commenting ways- on their post give them more views. See, this is where I'm like, okay, so when people comment, it just boosts the viewability. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, there's a lot of different theories around it, but you know, one of the things people can do, this is more sort of a tip with, with social media, but if you're going to post maybe like 15 minutes before you post, really go through your followers and like, and comment from a genuine place. So like, it's one thing to put an emoji and it's another thing to be like, Hey, Crystal, I so resonate with this post. Thank you so much for sharing who knew that we both or whatever, you know what I mean? And so it's really putting out genuine uh, engagement in the hopes that maybe it'll be, you know, reciprocated. And if it's not, it's okay, but it's, people pay attention to that. Yeah. And it's a reminder that like what you put out is what you receive and not that, not that you're doing it just for that reason. I get that, but you're just like, Oh, I need to remind myself that I'm not just trying to absorb all this energy and and get people to look at me. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there are things that people can do to really take advantage of the audience that they have without, you know, receiving all of it. And while at the same time, it does help to grow. And it does help to, you know, have these new followers where I always think like, for the ones that are dropping, you know, may new ones come to, you know, tenfold, and may they really be in alignment with me and, and vice versa. And so it's a little bit of a mind fuck at times. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can curse on here. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Podcasts yeah. are fair game. But yeah, it's <laughs> it is. And I, 
I, Claire and I have talked about this and Claire does a lot of marketing and brand work. And I think that, I mean, you can speak this language way better than I can, Claire, but I think it's just also, it feels like the Oz behind the curtain that like, what is the algorithm? The algorithms seem to change all the time. Like, why do people not give views anymore? Why do our, why does this reel show up? And then this reel doesn't, it's just, it feels like if we're using this as a tool, especially for marketing our podcast, how do we even fight this battle? So my day job is in marketing for um, a natural products B2B business. Uh-huh. And yeah, Joy, when you're like, what is common to you? I was like, Joy, you're making us sound dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious to hear just like from your perspective of being in the world where, you know, it's one thing for us, the podcast, like this is our passion project. You know, we don't have to make an income off of this, mm-hmm. but being in the world with entrepreneurs who are really in it like you were saying, a lot of the people you work with are really in it from a place of like wanting to change the world, having this extreme passion for their work. And yet at the same time, you do have to sell yourself a little bit, right? Like you have to commoditize really your own personality in a lot of ways in order to build, you know, quote unquote, build that brand. How do you balance that with having clear boundaries? And how do you coach the people who are your clients to say, okay, you know, here's, here's what is going to be helpful versus like, here's how to still maintain your privacy, your autonomy, and, you know, a little piece of yourself to not feel like you are just doing nothing, but selling out. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a great question. And I think it's flipping the script from like feeling like a sellout to let me expose, let me be vulnerable. Let me be truthful. Let me be genuine. You know, one of the things that made Gabby who Gabby is now is she, especially in the beginning, she was very accessible. So, you know, there was a time like we, we were going through a situation, she was getting really heated and getting really angry. And then she turned around and shared the story on stage. And it, it like showed that she was human. And I think a lot of times, especially with social media and the filters and the this and the that, there's a a feeling that we need to be perfect and we need to have such strategy in our posting and our stories. And it's the, the people right now that I see really growing, my friends and my clients and whoever are the ones that are like very raw dog and like showing these like really quirky, weird, fun uh, reels. Like reels, by the way, are like so key right now. They're so hot, but like it's the ones that are showing all sides of them. And then they're really like attracting the people who let their freak flags fly because that's how they are. And so I think it's just coming from that place of, okay, what did I need help on? And how did I help myself or how did I get help? Let me share that with people and asking yourself, like, what do, what are the five most common things that my friends all ask me or what's the advice that they come to me for? And then sharing that on the gram or on social, that's what is going to help you come from a place of service versus a place of selling out. And for you personally, when you are building your own brand, I mean, you know, I know we're focusing a lot on your career as like a um, consultant for PR and for social media and that kind of thing. But, you know, you yourself also being in that forward facing position, do you have your own coach? Is this something that you just like talk yourself through? You know, how do you reality check your own self in those moments? I have really great friends. A lot of my friends are like life coaches and, you know, and, and I had a therapist for a while and plant medicine helps me as well. So like I have um, different healing modalities for myself, but I do often have to, I don't know if you guys know Julia Cameron, she wrote The Artist's Way. And um, one of the things she talks about is being a shadow artist, which is, was me, which is um, 
you know, I had to ask myself and really this past year was a great reality check. Where I was like, you know what? I'm making all of these people around me famous. What am I doing for myself? Because I can pitch anyone all day and all night and sell the shit out of them. But when it comes to myself, I'm like, uh, uh, you know, and, and I have a lot of hesitation around it. And so if I can treat myself as my own client, which is not always easy, that tends to be the thing that helps me get out of my own way. Because otherwise I'll come up with a million and one reasons why I shouldn't do the thing or I shouldn't promote the thing. And reasons are just excuses. And so like, you know, you mentioned Scout, I have a production and PR company. I could have easily asked, you know, my team to pitch me. I couldn't do it. I had such, you know, uh, walls up around it. So I went to another fellow expert and said, Hey, Scout, let's collab, you know. But isn't that the truth for anything? I mean, we can yeah. preach all day long for other people, but when it comes to ourselves, we're like, Ooh, right? it just feels so weird. Yeah. It feels so weird. And, and, you know, one of the things I learned from Gabby is like, that is not something that feel, if it will, if it feels real weird for her, you would never know it. Because, you know, she had no problem asking anybody for anything to, you know, help her with her career. And so goals right there. But it's just something that I've, I've struggled with for myself. Yeah. And even the probably the, the biggest names that you work with still struggle with that stuff. Everybody's totally. human. Like totally. everybody has the human bone and there's just no way around that. So yeah. it's interesting how we kind of idealize the celebrity culture. Like when people are mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to be a celebrity. Okay, so why? I mean, there's just so many rabbit trails I could go down with that. But like, let's then talk and segue into your uh, job as an actress, an actor and model. And how did you get into that field? Where are you now with it? Um, how you know involved are you in that in that job right now? So I grew up, my parents were um, evangelists and musicians, singers, and, and so they traveled um, the East Coast singing and performing. Uh, and so like I, I was around that and did like church plays and things like that. And I started modeling when I was probably 12 and did that growing up through high school and wanted to focus hardcore in that. I booked a film in high school and my uh, I remember going to my principal with my mom and dad and telling them, listen, you know, we want to bring Noelle to Atlanta. I was living in South Carolina and, you know, there's more opportunities there. We'll come back and forth and we'll make sure she gets her schoolwork done. And they said, you know, they, there was a rule in South Carolina. If you miss 10 days of school, five days of school after that, every single miss had to be with the doctor's note. And so it made it impossible for me to work on set or to, you know, model. And so my parents said, well, I don't, but what about like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake? They were like really big at the time. Like, what about them? They missed school and still, you know, got to make it up. And, and they said, well, that's Britney Spears. Like they're huge. They're celebrities. And we were like, but they had to get there. Like it didn't just happen. And so that was, that was a really interesting time because my passion for it was when I was young, but I, I wasn't really able to go full-fledged into it. So when I was 18, two days after I graduated, I moved to New York and began modeling full-time and um, did that for many years. It became an unhealthy thing. I developed an eating disorder and it just like wasn't a good situation. And I took an acting class. And I'm in the acting class, I was like, oh, this, this is really my passion. I had done some commercials and things, but like, this is it. So then I trained for many years. And um, then from there, one thing led to another and worked on, had a recurring role on uh, Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck and Zon Shades of Blue with Ray Liotta and Jennifer Lopez and did the reboot of CW's Dynasty and a bunch of other stuff. And I moved to LA because I kept coming out here for work. 
and um, had been directing and acting. And then I got sick. So I am at a stage right now where I'm healing, but everything has kind of been paused. So I'm not really, I had to, I, I have some friends in the business and different directors who've asked me to work on different projects where I've had to actually turn down, which is very hard. And I never in a million years thought I would ever turn down, you know, an acting role. But I recognize nothing is more important than my healing right now. And uh, one of like the limiting beliefs has been like, but what if I'm forgotten about? Or what if my time is come and gone? And, you know, I just have to remember like a phoenix is rising. And like, I just, I have to trust the process. Which is not easy in that field. That's that's yeah. not like, yeah. I mean, going through a career, career trans- transition and trusting is, is totally different in the entertainment business because those that narrative is so loud. Yeah. So I imagine that you're just like, oh, I got to put this on steroids that like, that is not true for me. And I will be back and it will be better. So before we get into the the health stuff um, and getting sick, talk a little bit about let's let's just like bring the energy of acting up so you can like put that out there too. So after after you're healed and great, Talk about that, how, how it plays a role in your life and what that did for you. Yeah, well, uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And it, it's interesting because my husband, he's also an actor and, and writer. And we joke about people who aren't in the entertainment industry don't always know if you don't have a, if you don't have a like passion project, like you guys, you know, have a podcast and I'm sure these other passions, like if you don't have that in life, it kind of breaks my heart because I have friends and family members where they go to their nine to fives and then they take care of their kids and that's and then their life revolves around their kids and they don't have these other passions and I'm so grateful that I have found this and that I always say acting feels like one side of of me up in like such a beautiful way and directing feels the other side and so my hope is through my acting and through my my storytelling people can feel through me what they can't necessarily feel on their own it's just a, it's a beautiful thing i get to be all these different characters that are like all inside of me so they're all different versions of me that i didn't necessarily recognize when i was younger but like i am the bitch i am the you know the the mom i am the slut i am the this you know like i'm all of these things and it's so beautiful that i get to access them and i feel so lucky and so privileged that i've found this you know it's um and then also too, it's like, there's nothing like shifting a room. So like, there's nothing like going into an audition. Maybe the energy's bad and the producer's on his phone, not really paying attention. And then that one audition just shifts the room and all of a sudden you have everyone's attention. And it's it's such a cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. What is something that is, I know there's pros and cons with the entertainment world, but what is really glamorous and fun about the entertainment world? Hey, your hair. It's cool to have your hair and makeup done and to, to you know, like you'll be on set and you know, there's a PA there. Like, can I get you something? Can I get you this? Can I get you that? And it's like, there's times where I'm like, wait, are you talking to me? <laughs> yes, okay, I will. Whatever take you it. want, whatever, you know, breakfast, burrito, whatever. it's that's fun. Right. But for me, actually, the, one of the main reasons I love doing what I do is they say, when you're inspired, you're in spirit. And I will tell you that since my mom passed away in 2016 and she was my best friend. She, she passed from stage four metastatic breast cancer. And it was really sad and tragic and traumatic. But when I'm on set, I feel her the most. And it is the coolest, gnarliest, most beautiful, thing to get to feel the essence and the spirit of your mama while you're doing this thing that you love to do. And it's, I mean, there've been so many different signs and 
different things that have happened. And it's, again, it's just such a gift to be be living in my purpose and then knowing she's right there with me. I just had to take a beat, had to take a beat. So I don't even want to ask, I was like, what? And then what is like something that's like not as fun, but I'm like, I don't want to end on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. And I think this goes with any career. So for so long, I thought, well, when I get this thing, when it's finally attainable, then I've made it. And one of the things I recognized, I was on a show, I won't say which one, where my character, the director wasn't, so there were like major stars and the director was like, you know, whatever the stars wanted, whatever they could do. And then there were some of us that had like, I don't know, maybe 10 lines, not that big of a role. And there was a very clear difference in how we were treated. And I realized in that moment after that, I was like, okay, so this is interesting. I always thought that when I had my own trailer and my name was on the trailer and I was, you know, that I've made it to a certain degree, but I don't actually like that feeling. And so I now know there are certain roles and there are certain things I'm willing to do. And there's certain things. I'm no longer willing to do. I'm not in my, you know, I'm not 21 years old who's like willing to just take anything. Now I have certain standards and certain boundaries and certain things that I'm willing to put up with and certain things that I'm not. So I don't know if that helped kind of answer your question. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like the point about when you feel like you got such and such, you've made it that that's just so not, it's not always the case. So kind of having a negative experience for having your name on a trailer is like, at what cost? Did you have fun doing it? It, was it what you thought it would be? And actually, if your name wasn't on a trailer with this project, but you had such a great right. experience, right. that really fills you up. That's mm-hmm. a really good point because we, I mean, all of us do that. Mm-hmm. And I think in acting or in some of those more careers where the haves and have not have nots are a little bit more delineated, there maybe are some more obvious milestones that you can identify. But I think that that mindset of like, I'll be happy when is a trap, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what phase of life you're in, and that we all put ourselves through thinking like, once I attain XYZ, that's when I will have made it. And, you know, we talk a lot about the difference between like really trying to be fulfilled and happy and appreciative of where you are while still having goals for yourself and wanting to improve or wanting to accomplish and you know holding that tension and how tough that can be yeah. but i think that that's something that everyone listening has probably experienced very deeply in a lot of different areas of their life. Absolutely. And I think it also, it's like, I say this and it kind of makes me want to like barf when I'm like self-love, but it's like, you know, truly it comes down to finding the, the, the love and like the okayness within yourself so that it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. Like, you know, you're coming home to home because you love your home and your home is within you. And there are so many case like instances where I feel like that's the validation I was always seeking and I got it. And then it's like, Oh, grateful, but also like, oh, yeah, it's almost like we don't never meet your hero type of thing. I mean, right. your idol, because then you're like, oh, they're not very nice. Or um, they're human. Or, or they're human. Yeah. 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 It's just like, oh my gosh, they're people too. Do you think the antidote of that? I'll be happy when is to be present. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause if you're not future tripping and you're not like anxious about the past or worrying or whatever, when you're present, you're forced to just be in the moment. And a lot of times when you're in the moment, you realize life isn't that bad. Like it's pretty great. 
I have a lot to be grateful for. And we compare a lot. So I feel like that is also a slippery slope that puts us into the I'll be happy when because they're seeing- Especially with the gram. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say that. I'm like, because we're seeing people with beautiful everything on social media that we're like, wow, that looks really fun. I wish I had a polished life. And even though we all kind of know better, it's still, we still fall into that trap of comparison. I was going to bring this up too a little bit earlier when you were talking about, you know, being real and vulnerable on social media. Mm-hmm. And, but then you also have that other, you know, component of like the curated imperfection where you feel like, oh, this person, you know, is doing that like side by side of the bikini where they're standing up straight and they're bent over. And it's like, I have roles too. And it's like, you know, we've all seen that post now, right? 500 times. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we get it. Like everybody's body is bent and roll or whatever. Those are the times where I'm kind of like, okay, this type of quote unquote vulnerability feels, if anything, less authentic than just right. kind of being surface level. Like, don't give right. me your like curated imperfection, your curated vulnerability. Give me your like, and you know, and, and I also have a hard time sometimes when I see like the, so I'm a mom, I have two kids, I have a five and a half year old and a two and a half year old. And I, so I follow a lot of sort of, you know, mom influencers, yeah. I guess you would call them. Sometimes you see like the crying in the pantry f- posts, you know, and it's like, I wasn't going to post this, but, and I'm like, you were going to post it. Yeah. Why did you take a selfie of yourself while you were crying? If you were gonna, nobody takes selfies of themselves while they're crying. Totally. Right. You know. Right. And those just kind of make me crazy. But I think that mm-hmm. they're. I don't know. You know, because there's there's no right answer. And at the same time, you see a hundred comments being like, "Thank you so much for posting this." No one ever talks about it. So like. You know, who am I to judge? But I'm, I am going to judge. So sorry. Meanwhile, they're like in, in an engagement pod where yes. they're like, hey, I just posted. Will you comment on my <laughs> Right. Totally. They're, like, they're like, hashtag sponsored. This is my sponsored pantry cry. Yeah. I was eating Twizzlers. Sponsored yeah. pantry cry. <laughs> so true. This breakdown brought to you by Snickers. <laughs> Swipe up for the link. 10%. Swipe up. Oh my gosh, it's so uh, funny. I mean, but yeah. it's true though. And I think like one of the most disappointing, I'm so trusting. And I think one of the most disappointing things that I've seen is because I want to believe in good and I want to believe in the good in people. But the thing that really bums me out is when you see like a pretty popular influencer just all of a sudden show their colors or like, some bad thing comes out that they actually did racist crap or said something really insensitive and whatever. And you're just like, Oh, okay. So we cannot trust anything on social media. It's just a reminder that you really, it's just everything that we see is completely made up. We don't know any of these people. (laughs) No, no, it's so true. And it's compare and despair is such a real thing. And everybody, every single person I've worked with, I've, every single person is affected by compare and despair, regardless of how woke anyone seems to be. And if everyone's writing a struggle boss once in a while, it's just, it all comes down to, have you guys ever listened to um, uh, Armchair Expert? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there was an episode where Kristen Bell was on and she talked about life being happiness or despair. Yeah. And I remember like when I was, and I love her, but I remember like listening to that at first being like, girl. <laughs> you're Kristen Bell. <laughs> you're Kristen Bell. You're fine. You should be happy. But then she said, you know, look, I have these bad days. And it's something that I talk about all the time now where you make a happiness list and you write on the list, all the things that bring you joy. So I wrote, I made my list out and it was like, you know, meditating, breath work, doing hot yoga, green juice, playing with babies, playing with puppies, going to the beach, going for a walk, whatever. 
And so it's like maybe 20 things. And when you're feeling like shit and you're going down the compare and despair rabbit hole, go to that list. And nine times out of 10, you're not doing anything from that list. And so if you can start applying, even if it's one thing for a day and then two things the next day and then three things, all of the sudden you're in this place where your vibe is so high that you're just attracting like, you know, all good things. And you're no longer caring about, you know, the person who did a fake, you know, crying selfie. And you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't, you don't care anymore. And it's, so it's something that I have to constantly remind myself to do. And then also I have to equally remind myself, like there are days where I don't want to go to my happiness list. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to do breath work. I want to sit in my funk and feel like shit and eat my feelings. And so it's like allowing that as well. Oh yeah. Those days have to happen too. I mean, if you want a really good episode around the burnout cycle, the stress cycle, completing the, the stress cycle, it talks, it's on Brene Brown dare to lead podcast. No, it's on her unlocking us podcast. I can link it in the show notes, but um, it's a twin sister research couple that they do around burnout and stress. And basically I'm simplifying it greatly, but it's all about how emotions need to go somewhere and they need to complete the cycle. So if you don't like allow yourself to feel the feelings, or if you get like stuck in the middle of the tube and you don't go out the other end, you get just like completely drained. So yeah, some days you do need to just sit in it and be like, all right, I'm just going to let myself feel this, but I just need to kind of like let it pass through me. Cause yeah, there's some days when we're like, I can't jump from A to Z. I can't jump from like despair to all of a sudden being super happy. It's just like not realistic, but knowing when you're in it and being like, oh yeah, I'm lacking in these areas of my life. I'm not practicing my happiness list or I'm not doing the things that bring me joy even if it's very small every day, that like that can be a little bit of like an of a antidote before you get to that point. Right. So is there anything else you do in a world that's very competitive and very like aesthetics looked? <laughs> you like yeah. it's image very focused, focus, image focused. Like you have to really be beautiful or you know, present well. Like how do you keep yourself in a healthy mindset with that? That's a great question. Um, one of the things is I every morning before I get out of bed, I will do some deep breathing. Um, so like Ujjayi breath, inhaling through the nose out the mouth, kind of sounding like an ocean. And I will talk to my body and I will thank her for being healthy and for healing and digesting. And, you know, you know, my legs for carrying me for the last 30 plus years and, you know, just healing on a cellular level. And one of the things that helped me with, so I had an eating disorder for 10 years and um, I was bulimic and anorexic and I would go back and forth and I made a deal with God and I said, okay, I'm going to still allow myself to knowingly binge and purge, but before I do it, I'm going to get clear on my why. And so I would buy the food or whatever it was, and I'd be like crying or whatever. And I would recognize what I was feeling. And nine times out of 10, it was fear, lack, not enough, unlovable, I'm never going to have a career, my husband's going to leave me, whatever it was, it was always fear. And so I would feel it. And then I would do the thing. But what started to happen was once I felt the emotion, I no longer had the desire to fill the void that was happening in myself. Because instead, I would start filling myself up with good things. And so for me, it's like recognizing when I'm feeling any sort of fear, any time of day, peel back the layers as to why. And then, you know, awareness is our superpower. So all of a sudden I'm aware it no longer is having this big effect. And I think it's, I might be butchering this. I think it's like 60 seconds. When we feel whatever emotion we are feeling, when we really truly feel it, it doesn't last longer than like 60 seconds. And then it moves into something else. 
And so there's, do you guys know who Marie Forleo is? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So her, um, her main squeeze, Josh Pice is uh, an actor and also an acting coach. And he taught me four things, which is breathe, see the room, feel the sensations, I'm back. And so what that means is it could be going into an audition. It's such a, guys, talk about a mind fuck. It's such an like crazy thing when you walk into an audition and there's 30 girls that literally look like you, only they're like thinner and prettier like and younger. It's so insane. And so, you know, let's say I'm starting to freak out a little bit and I'm walking into the audition. And again, the producer is on a cell phone, not paying any attention. I've gone into my head. So what do I do? I breathe. I become aware of the room. I'm very present because I can see that the producer is wearing a blue shirt and he's on his iPhone or Android or whatever it is. I see the room. All right, let me go to my body. Where's the sensation happening the loudest? Okay, cool. It's, it's like a party in my chest right now. I feel like my heart is going to explode. Let me feel it. I'm back. And I'm back is like in the moment right here, right now. I'm not future tripping. I'm not, you know, going back. And so those four things are something that I apply to life every day. So it's great in the audition room or, you know, on set, but it's amazing to, because in any moment, like even right now in our, in our conversation, at some point we're going to check out, oh God, did I leave the stove on? Which I did this morning, by the way, but like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. did I... Right. Mm -hmm. And okay. Oh, cool. I'm not paying attention. Right. I'm back. Yep. So I love that personally. And that's That's great. Really helps me back to like you saying the antidote of of like presentness, like that brings me to my present and not worry about like the fact that, you know, I'm losing hair because I have mole toxicity or whatever it is like, no, right. I'm, I'm back. Okay. So let's, that's great. Let's then end with a brief and I don't want to discount it, but I know we're short on time of what's going on with your health journey. Where are you at? What are you doing to heal? So the short, long of it, long short of it is I was diagnosed with fibroid tumors, uh, Lyme disease, co-infections, um, Bartonella, Babesia, Rickettsia, and mold toxicity. And so very briefly, I was first diagnosed with fibroids. And if you don't know what they are, they're uh, uterine t- uh, tumors, 90, 95% of the time benign. And doctors don't really know why women get them. And they are the number one reason for hysterectomies in our country. And hysterectomies are the number one surgery, which is like crazy. Um, hysterectomies are the number one surgery in our country? Yep. I had no idea. More than insane. like tonsils. Apparently. Wow. Apparently. Yeah. That's crazy. insane. So I was like, they wanted me to have surgery, but they couldn't tell me why. And I am a curious person. I needed, I needed answers. So I kept seeing, I got a second and a third opinion and kept seeing more doctors and more specialists. And then I was told I had parasites. And then I went to a doctor who did kinesiology, which is muscle testing. And in the muscle testing, they said, Noel, I know your diet. I know your lifestyle. I would describe you as the epitome of health. Who knew you had so much going on in your body? I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, well, according to you know, these different vials that he held up against my head and I had no idea what they were, you have all of these things, Lyme, you know, all of these things. So then from there, why would I listen to my body? I needed like a scientific blood proof. So then I got more testing done. And sure enough, those testings confirmed what we already knew. And uh, doctors wanted me to be on antibiotics. 
my intuition said no. Everyone thought I was crazy, but I had to listen to it. So then I was supposed to get treatment, drop tens of thousands of dollars on treatment. The night before I'm supposed to fly out, my intuition said no. My husband's like, don't you want to heal? Yes, of course I want to heal, but I don't know. I'm not supposed to go. So I don't go. Fast forward in a plant medicine ceremony, I heard check your home for mold. We test our home. The expert comes to the home and says, I don't need to test it. It's fine. Again, my intuition. Yes, you do. Sure enough, we have mold toxic, we have toxic levels of mold in our home. And it turns out that if I had taken the antibiotics because I was living in a home with mold, I would have been held up in bed and I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. If I had gone to the East Coast to get treatment and come back to the moldy home, it would have reactivated everything and it would have been a waste of money. And so it's been such a beautiful lesson that like we have to be our own advocates for our body. And also, especially as women, like we have that divine sovereignty over our body and we have our divine intuition, trust it. And so where I'm at now is we had to get rid of every single thing we owned, move out of our home, find a new home with that's mold free and start new. So I am in this rebirth phase where I'm healing and shedding and growing and learning and it's wild. (laughs) That sounds like it. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like that could have been such like an intuitive, emotional roller coaster to go from like, there are all these health things going on in your body that you had no idea about here. You are thinking you're totally healthy and then come to find that all these things are, you know, going horribly wrong. And that, I don't know, like, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, if I, I can just sense that like, if I were to go through that, I would feel like very, distrustful of my body, but then to turn around and then have like one experience after another, just validating your own intuition to go from one extreme to the other. Did you, I mean, again, like that feels like how, what I, how I would react to that situation is that, did you feel that at all? Yeah. Well, I, what I recognized is especially as women and as busy people, we make excuses. So like I've had chronic back pain for 10 years. I got bit by a tick when I was six years old. I've likely had chronic Lyme disease, like late stage chronic Lyme disease. It just wasn't activated. So there were symptoms that I had no idea. So, you know, like the back pain, I just thought, well, I live in New York city. I walk upstairs all the time, whatever. Um, I'm stressed out. Well, of course I'm stressed. I run a company and going on five auditions a week. I'm on set. Like, you know, so it's like, we make all of these excuses But really, these were gentle ways of my body being like, hey, something's going on here. Hey, you paying attention to me? Hey, hello. And I was ignoring it. And so this past year, I thought for sure I was going to be a series regular on a television show. Like the way my career was going, I was like, oh, great. Yeah, I'm going to book a show. I'm going to be on set. There were several doors that weirdly slammed in my face. One of the things I say is make it abundantly clear, slam the door if it's not meant to be. There were times that it would happen. And I was like, what? Like it made zero sense. But now I understand, thank God that happened because if I were on set right now, do you think I would be going to the doctor or paying any attention to my body? Losing my hair, I just would have thought, well, yeah, I'm stressed out. Losing my hair, of course. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes, there was a degree of like feeling like I couldn't trust my body. But at the same time, it was like, no, no, no. She was trying to talk to me. I just wasn't listening. We um, just had an interview with a naturopathic doctor and we talked a lot with her about, particularly as women, how we are really not encouraged to trust our own symptoms, honestly, that we yeah. talk ourselves out of going to the doctor. We, t- you know, we don't want to be a bother. Like I, I have a really close friend who has Lyme disease, has also has some co-infections with that, has um, is positive for BRCA mutations, and she is like, well. And I'm, she, she might even probably be listening to this. And she is always saying like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. And I'm like, girl, you know, there are, and I, I hate to throw her under the bus, 
but I think we've we all been all, there though. We've all been there where like you yeah. have something going on to your point, back pain, to your point, hair loss, like these things where, especially as women, how quick are we to chalk it up to stress? Always. I mean, let's be honest guys, like stress does not affect healthy bodies like that. Mm. Well, the, to, to your point, I was on a I was on a panel and we were t- somehow self-love got brought up and somebody asked me like what I do. And I, I talked about like, you know, Epsom salt baths or infrared sauna or dry brushing or this or that. And the doctor on the panel was like, it's so important for you to do like everyone should be doing this. And I kind of pushed back and I was like, but what if you get exhausted from doing those things? And she then pushed back and said, Noel, healthy people don't. And that was like such a mind blowing moment where I was like, oh my God, I've been living with like these chronic illnesses for so long that I don't remember what it's like to live a healthy life. And I think there's so many women out there and men who, you know, there's all of these things going on, but you just make excuses. And so if we can slowly, but surely question from a place of curiosity, not like a distrustment, but genuine, like just because a doctor says something doesn't make it fact. It's their expert opinion. And that's great. But maybe get a second opinion, maybe get a third, maybe get a fourth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And I had a recent health journey over the past six months with a Graves disease diagnosis. And it's so much about like, yeah, listening to your body and you like know something's wrong and something's going on. But back to your point, what Claire said too, of I think like our baseline of stress is like just really high. So we just operate in that space. And we don't know what it's like to like completely have your body back to like the nervous system settled and not really feeling stressed 24 seven. Like I, and then we also say, well, I have to work. I have to raise my family. I have to get all these things done. I have to hustle, hustle, hustle. And the grind that women are supposed to do. So we're like, well, how are we supposed to just chill out and not have stress? We're set up to fail. Right. And, you know, one of the things my mom used to say to me is like, she'd call me my nickname, which was Noni. She'd be like, Noni, be present. Because when I was first starting out my company, I had like 10 social media clients. And at first it was just me. So, so that was back when you posted three times a day. So like that's 30 times a day. I was out of my mind and I was like posting and always on my phone. And I'd be like, I have to do this, mom. I have to work. I realize now, like when I was with her and my family was with her on her on her deathbed when she took her last breath, do you think any of this shit matter? Do you think posting? Do you think social media? Do you think vanity metrics? Do you think being on set? Nothing mattered but being in the moment with my mama. And so unfortunately for me, it took a, a very tragic situa- situation for me to have a wake-up call. But you know, my goal through, in, through my story, through sharing my story is let it not take trauma or tragedy for you to wake up. Let's just slowly but surely recognize we're not meant to live. This whole hustle culture is complete shit, you know, and it served me for many years, but actually not because look right. You know what I mean? Now I'm like dealing with all of these. Yeah. Moments. It's like, it's such, it's like that short term satisfaction, but is it, you know, those like hits of dopamine they say happen when we go through social media, but the long-term, we're just not focusing on the long-term. We like have to stay present, but then if we're doing those social media hits, Mm long-term is just not healthy for us. One of the things I had to do is kind of uh, lessen my client roster, which is very scary, right? Because it's like you get used to a certain income and it feels really good. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, I need to heal. And my ego keeps trying to come in being like, but the money, but this. And I just have to remind myself, wealth without health means nothing. And so let's get back to 
to the root of how we're actually meant to live this life. And if, if that means I can live a life in peace without all of these like glitz and glams, I'm okay with that. And I never thought that I'd ever be saying that you know totally totally i just had like a hot aha moment yeah because i just left a job that was uh very lucrative like very just everything and it was killing me mm-hmm. and i'm in this place now where i'm like really prioritizing i'm still in it so i don't have yeah. a full view yet <laughs> yeah but it's like i need to really prioritize like what i want what my goals are, mm-hmm. what really matters to me. Yep. Um, so it's kind of being like flipped all in its head right now, but it's like, yeah, wealth without health means nothing. nothing. And I honestly think that if you were to look at the majority of people who on the outside look like they're moving up really fast, look like they have these, you know, really exciting success stories, there is almost always the other side of the coin that of all the sacrifices they've had to make that a lot of the time doesn't end up being worth it, you know, when all of the, when everything settles down, you know, like when all of the noise quiets, it's like, was that really worth it? Or, you know, if you ask someone like, oh, wow, it looks like you've been, you know, this trajectory you've been on has been amazing. And they're like, yeah, but my hair's falling out, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. Right. And to reprioritize that, you know, I think about, um, I went through a similar really toxic job several years ago, but it was like from the outside, like, oh, you're, you've been promoted to, you know, have this huge promotion within the first year. You've been given the biggest account ever, you know, look at this amazing success story, but on the back end, I'm having heart palpitations. I'm not seeing my family, yeah. my hair's falling out, you know, like, and it's so, again, so easy for us to talk ourselves out of that and to talk ourselves out and also because it's so normalized. So I think this is an important conversation to be like, hey, if you're going through that and everyone around you is like, oh yeah, that happens sometimes. Like, no, it doesn't. It shouldn't happen. Right. Sometimes. Run. 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 <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so, I'll, I'll never forget telling, I was very young, but I told my best friend, like, I think I have an eating disorder. I just threw up my food. And she's like, oh, everybody does that. And so like I completely, yeah, literally. And I, I completely normalized it then. I was like, oh, I'm okay. And then you know, and so it's just, it's, you know, be careful who you would ask advice from too. Yes. You know? <laughs> and we don't need to normalize the hustle. We don't need to normalize this dysfunction. Yeah. Like bless us all for really trying as hard as we right. want to try, but right. we all just need to take a step back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right, Noelle. So, uh, what's your sharing your story? With this us. was so great. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can check out my website, noelleproductions.com. Um, I'm most active on the gram at noelle underscore Ellie. And we will link all of that in the show notes, of course. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week. You can find us at joyandclaire underscore on Instagram. We are at joyandclaire.com or you can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.